Today, I'm talking with an accomplished marketing executive with over 30 years experience developing, implementing, and executing go-to-market growth and customer-driven business strategies. Scott Vaughn, Chief Growth Officer at Integrate Inc., focuses on working in-market with customers, partners, and influencers to help grow the organizations he serves. Scott is known for applying the art or big ideas with the science, analytics, and technology, and his work illustrates this focus. I've come to know him as an expert in demand marketing and sales enablement, especially working with B2B teams. His style as a captain leader helps him bring his big ideas to the industry. I first came into contact with Scott years ago at a conference about search engines, and I've followed his work ever since. As we grew our business in automation, he always seemed one step ahead of us, and such was the case in our interview. We had a fun talk about the concept of orchestration over automation, and if you're in the business, I highly encourage you to adopt this language as it is our future. My friends, get to know one of our industry's thought leaders, Scott Vaughn. He'll tell you like it is, and I'll see you on the other side. So I just want to dive right in. We are sitting here in the middle of the COVID-19 crisis, and I know I've been following you on LinkedIn, and you have some perspective on that. Tell me a little bit about what you're hearing. We're sitting in the middle of the cancel economy, you say. Yeah, well, the cancel economy was a reaction I had when when all these events started canceling, the sports and all the broader events, not just B2B events in our world, but life events started to get canceled or postponed. And so I threw that out there. Oh my gosh, we just moved to the cancel economy. But it's more broadly, I think that maybe it's a little bit of uh, experience in being seasoned or age that you get, you see a picture when you've been through a few things like the the dot-com picture, the great recession, certainly 9-11 for us, those of us in the U.S., those kinds of things were really defining and you see that you you are going to come out the other side and and you do change and so what i try to keep perspective on and hold up the mirror not just preaching it but that to keep people moving forward thinking forward and thinking about what it looks like three four six months from now and is there things that you can do now where you can kind of you know i do this in my business and try to do it in my life as well is I try to play chess, look out and work your way back. Yeah. I think that's a good philosophy and a challenge because right now it's really easy to be consumed. Big picture by the 24 by 7 news cycle and there's a new headline and fact and it gets emotional. And then there's a the reality, you know, you got to get the kiddos why uh, you got to be on that Zoom call or conference call. So you got to deal with it and they're in school and, you know, you kind of want to choke everybody after you've been inside for a week or two. Absolutely. So you really have to think bigger, kind of visualize what it looks like in, in four to six months and that let that be a little bit more of your compass. I think that's a great philosophy and I think we're all trying to sort of manage to that. So you mentioned a little bit about some of the the things you've been through. Give us a sense of your trajectory. I went back and I researched you. It sounds like you started even more in the IT networking space, but have made your way to the marketing space. So give us a sense yeah. of how Scott became Scott. Well, I don't know how interesting it is, but I think it is good for careers. And so I started as a classically trained. There's no accidental marketing in me. I went to school to be a marketer. And I came out in a job in a role that was really focused at that time around marketing communications. So traditional product, brochures, trade shows, brand you had and fell into a role that was a company about 20 people in the tech space. 
and did the rocket ship. And then I was hooked Mm -hmm. on both technology and the B2B marketing side of things. And the seminal moment was for me is when I started to go out and be a bit more involved in the sales process with our sales team as a marketing person. Mm -hmm. And I realized, you know, maybe egotistically, maybe my competitiveness, I don't know sure what it was, Mm -hmm. but I felt I could do that role. I felt like I could be a better listener to the customer, add more value. And so I went into sales and spent a few years in sales and then sales management and then executive sales leadership for about a decade. And I was lucky enough to do that during the heyday of IT and the CIO. And eventually I did it at a a media company in in the selling and the product management and all of that. And so that was an incredible ride as well. What do you think drew you to sales? Especially if you're sort of a lover of marketing concepts and, you know, branding. Did you just love the relationship building? Well, I'd like to say it was altruistic, Misty, but there was also this thing called money oh, okay. that was curious. Yeah, that makes sense. And it sense. wasn't driven by money and never been driven by money in my career, but I think it was the idea that can I do this? Well, as you talk that through, I know that you've been tapped a lot for growth roles. So talk us a little bit more about how that sales experience drew you to want to help companies grow and then maybe sort of how you landed at Integrate today. So growth is a funny thing, right? You have your traditional CRO, CMO, and, and, you know, I spent almost 12 years as a CMO. And and what I see is in growth and at Integrate Today, what, what makes it so fun is it's we pick the four or five growth levers in the market and of the company and drive those initiatives through. Mm-hmm. So, for example, practically, how do we rally sales, marketing, customer success and product at times and aim that? Last year, we had a mission to really double. We came out with a significant set of products and solutions. And so it was to work with the top 50 customers to help them adopt with strategy this new concept we call the demand cloud at Integrate. And so that was something that was a really big growth initiative that you had to connect dots. You had to rally people. You had to get your go-to-market. Mm-hmm. But you had to be in the field to do it. You had to work mono a mono. Another initiative for us where we broke through into Europe through the UK starting last year. And so that's also a growth initiative that we work with the local team that we have on the ground now there and an office and a strategy. And, and so those are examples of not just being marketing or sales, but being growth led. A lot of our listeners probably are marketers, Scott. So help us understand the difference and how you think about a growth initiative in terms of the research you might do. Or I've heard you talk about creating a market, right? Creating that vision. So dig into that a little bit. So marketing is a phenomenal foundation to do this role because it's the truth well told. It's an understanding of the buyers, the buyer process, the right value messages, segmentation, all the things that all of us marketers, because I'm a marketer at heart, and that's, if anybody asks, that's how I classify myself. But it's business first thinking. And I learned that a long time ago. The business first thinking as a marketer really allows you then to literally drive the business. And that's where I think the difference comes in terms of growth. 
I think every marketer should think business first. My opinion, most every role should think business first. But this really, truly, when you're in a growth role, you have to do that. It builds you credibility with your stakeholders. It builds credibility with internal stakeholders, but with your community, with your customers and prospects and partners and all the things it takes to go into a market. And at Integrate Today, for example, what's been fun, I've been doing this a little over a year and a half now, is that there is some market creation and because we're kind of at a really interesting inflection point in B2B marketing. So that's been really exciting. That's awesome. Well, I feel like I'm a little bit of a kindred spirit with you in that my role at Symantle for many years has been creating new offerings, right? And so I feel like I've almost got this blueprint in my brain of what it takes to build something from the ground up, leveraging all the four P's of marketing, right? It's not just about the promotion, but the product, the price, all of that. I think the other point you made that resonates with me is when you think business first, you got to have the data to support the market. So um, how do you do that today at Integrate on some of these products you mentioned? Yeah. So, gosh, I wish we were so much more disciplined at this, but it all depends on the maturity of the market, the maturity of your products. So in our world, we're really doing some pioneering. We're doing a step and putting a, a, a layer and a capability that hasn't been done before. Just to give some specifics, marketers will appreciate this. Mm-hmm. We know what CRM does. Remember, Salesforce created that or Siebel, whoever you want to, but that whole concept that there's a a place where there's a customer of record, right? There's right. there's that. Marketing automation came around about a decade ago to try to tell us, come on, marketers, you can contribute to the business. Well, maybe it hasn't delivered on all those promises, but it certainly rocket ship or trampolined us into this space. And then stats address marketing has a database and can do something once something gets in the database. Sure. With Integrate, what we've created is something that is what we call the demand cloud. And our customers put all of the top of funnel channels that they're using to do that engagement and identification of prospects and customers. And so if you're doing events or webinars or using third parties like content syndication, people are coming to your website, you're driving it from a third party source. That's all been siloed and one off. So we've built a solution that's holistic where you can put that into the cloud, like you put your music, your files, and your photos. Now you can put your third-party providers and your events and all that data can be housed there. So when you're doing that, data tells you kind of directionally where to go, but you kind of got to be measuring as you go versus there's a market and I'm going to segment it. And it's a little bit different strategy. Well, I love you kind of explaining that product. As you know, Samantha works heavily in marketing automation and working with a lot of the technology players. And probably a year ago, I said, wouldn't it be cool if you could automate all the touch points? And so I know everybody's working toward that right now. Can you talk a little bit more about how your platform maybe interfaces with some of the other major automation technologies in the marketing space or if they're separate solutions? What I find today is that Marketing automation was that belief system. Like any, they've all gotten purchased. They've got sucked up into the Goliath companies. And so the reaction has been to a lot of one-off tools that some people say were a little too tool-centric, right? That instead of strategy, we buy a tool first and and then we figure it out later. We've kind of done all that the last four or five years. And and today we're at a kind of an inflection point where we have to think more about how do we connect all of those pieces, how to reduce the tool clutter and how do we consolidate? Because it's pretty messed up, frankly. So 
with Integrate, what well, a name like Integrate, you have a lot of <laughs> expectations. <laughs> sure. But we really sit at the top of the journey or at the beginning of the journey yeah. where we say where business starts. Yep. And with that top of funnel, if you're a traditional funnel person, with all those channels and be able to connect those and then integrate them with all the downstream and inputs. So the downstreams would be your marketing automation and CRM. We're, we're personally at Integrate. We run Marketo and Adobe, but we've worked with Aliqua and HubSpot and Salesforce Marketing Cloud and all the CRM systems that marketers want to move data to. But just as importantly, Misty, what I think has changed, and you know this from your practice, you need the inputs. So if you're going to pull intent through or you're going to pull conversational marketing through, you're going to plug in your webinar data that comes with a lot of knowledge or at least activity-based or engagement-based data. You need to have that organized and unified. So that's really what we're doing through the demand cloud. And so... You were in marketing, you know this very well, and you work for marketers, you have to have your act together, but you also have the, you know, what uh, someone I used to work with called, you have the front seat of the roller coaster. Absolutely. So we get to work with hundreds of B2B teams like you do. So you get to see the good, the bad, and the ugly and, and what's been done. That's awesome. I want to dig into a couple of things you said there. One of the big concepts we've been talking about a lot in our organization is the difference between the traditional marketing funnel in terms of the campaigns that you run and the horizontal journey that you're managing to. So talk about how that shift has happened in your world. And, you know, I love that you talk about sort of orchestration rather than alignment of marketing and sales. Yeah. So I'm going to say this, and this is not bold or hyperbole. We're about to go through a massive shift. Funnels are a great construct to measure internally, and that's fine. But what you really need is to follow the buyer. And that customer obsession means you have to change it the way you measure things and how you go about approaching that. And I would argue a lot of the infrastructures we built over the last five, six years were built for funnels and they were built for lead gen. And today we're talking about journeys and we're talking about quality opportunities and you know a little less is more and we're talking about accounts not just leads so with all of that as a backdrop into this that's where orchestration comes in you can't automate one-off processes and the infrastructures we built were centered around different things that we're going to need going forward this is not a call to go out and buy more technology that's not what i'm saying but we have to re-architect starting with strategy and the stacks are going to have to be streamlined and re-architected. You wrote an article a couple of weeks ago in MarTech Today, and I obviously was drawn to it for this very reason, because you were talking about how B2B organizations are really going to struggle to sort of achieve that alignment. And talk to me a little bit about some of the challenges with data itself and how siloed it is and how, you know, you're advising your clients to start taking baby steps to get the foundational strategy in place before they implement the data and technology layer. You're right. Data is such a critical component. It's often what's holding us back from getting to journeys into accounts. It's data models and data architecture, but also how you handle the data. And so one of the things that we see, for example, it's a very common practice to let all the data flow into your databases and then clean it up. Mm -hmm. One of our customers said it's like, well, it's like treating water inside the sewer plant, right? I'm being the negative view, but 
Those are their words, and I think it's accurate. So what we advise and what we do through the demand cloud and integrate, there's a layer of data governance that everything gets checked for compliance and validated before it gets pushed in to your downstream programs and systems, et cetera. So that data hygiene, while you're still going to have the sales input, if someone's still uploading lists, which is a little crazy, but if you are, you know, that you're going to have to deal with data hygiene within your database. We do integrate internally and see it with our customers. So that never goes away. But if you can begin to put in more of a standardized prevention program, if you will, to manage that data. The other thing, Misty, we really think about a lot these days is the intelligence of that data. And here's a couple examples. Obviously, we know we're kind of in this era of intent and signals to help us prioritize. To me, that's a piece, not the answer. Uh, Many times in marketing, we're looking for the silver bullet, but that's additive intelligence. And so there's this line that's kind of being drawn. And because the integrate software allows you to reject the duplicate data or let it in and connect it, we sit right in the middle of that literally dividing line between marketers who believe that they need the most intelligence about a contact they can and those that kind of more, a little bit more in the lead centric. I've already got the name. I don't want to pay for it. So this is almost like a little bit of a, maybe too dorky, but a holy war in our our B2B marketing world of camps are divided on what's the right approach. What do you believe? I believe that you need to capture as much intelligence. Um, There's a caveat there, of course, you don't want to bring in junk data. So there's still some validation checks you want to put in place before you accept it. But generally, I think the more intelligence you have, if you're going to go on a journey, you need to connect individual buyers into a buying group and against an account. And today there's enough technology built in that allows you to connect those dots in advisory firms like yours that can kind of help implement the models. Well, that's one of the reasons I want to talk to you because our clients love hearing from the big guys, right? What are the big guys doing? But if I had to position where Symantle is versus where Integrate is on the continuum of helping marketers along, we're so on the foundational, who are your audiences and, and what are your journey touch points? And, you know, talking about things like personas and how do you impact map, which triggers to pull? And, and you end up with a lot of artifacts, right? You have a lot of stuff that you can get people aligned around, but the question then becomes, well, we bought all this technology, how do we activate on the strategy that we put in place? So I guess two questions for you. One, do you think that's helpful? I think that would be my first thing to challenge you on is I still think there's value in the alignment and the conversation between sales and marketing teams. But two, if you do all that work, is it still useful when you implement the technology and data? What order do those go in? So first of all, please don't ever anybody think that I don't think sales and marketing don't need to work together. More than ever. And I would throw customer success and product into that group as well. That's the difference. It's a broader group. It's not just sales and marketing. And you can't just align by having the same strategy. But if you're going to evolve, if you're going to make these pieces, what you can't do is throw a tool or a piece of technology at something first. You need to model it and you need to, to have a plan, but you got to break out of that and begin to sit down and spend at least a couple hours a week on the strategy. Yeah. Well, and I guess that's what I mean. When we go in and we facilitate these alignment conversations, something as simple as defining the stages of the buyer's journey is often a conversation that isn't happening. So how do you talk about journey with clients, knowing that it's not linear and it's, you know, the context of buyers is always changing? 
so you're you're getting it right down to the fundamentals and i think uh, simplification is the first step mm-hmm. who are we exactly. who's our best buyer right what do we know and learn about how do they buy how many people what are their personas personas don't go away in the account world what do we know about how they buy and decision confidence right now by the way in b2b is at an all-time low because people are overwhelmed their pace of their business is moving so fast so we as marketers and salespeople and customer success have to play a more active role in almost this is not condescending i hope but teach them how to invest teach them how to buy and so what that means for marketing and sales when you step back to get to alignment you've got to start with the basics Yep, Who absolutely. is your best customer and what are you doing? All of those fundamentals have to be set up and you have to be activating things based on those elements. If you can activate, to use your word, based on where they are and at least a cadence, you're going to be moving towards journey orchestration. One of the concepts you talk about is as we move away from MQLs and getting to the bottom of the funnel is this idea of revenue operations. So talk to me a little bit about how the marketer can contribute to the bottom line now and how that's changing executive expectations. I can't remember who coined the term revenue operations, but to me, whatever you call it, it's coming together to have a common dashboard and a single version of the truth. Right the same comp systems, the same metrics, the same language, the buyer and the sales language that everybody can rally around. That's what I mean by integration, not alignment. This idea of being able to put those teams closer together and have that the metrics, the dashboard, the compensation and the language, that's a great beginning foundation for moving in the right direction. So pulling back a little bit from all the marketing concept and technology talk, I think I shared with you that we love working with complex B2B organizations, with complex distribution systems, with siloed communicators that don't talk to each other. It's been what we built our business on, and I know you love that too. Talk a little bit about why. Why do you love the B2B side of the world? What is it about those complex problems that you love solving? For me, it's the business value. The companies that you're typically working with are solving big problems They're operating a scale of economy, having worked with all the early IT companies like Cisco when they were coming out of the gate, then all the security companies when they came out of the gate. Now we're working with all the robotics companies that are coming out of the gate. You know it. It just I think it's more for me, more interesting to be a bit more on the forefront of seeing things play through than the commodity, more mature markets. But I think the B2B complexity is almost like a puzzle you're trying to figure out. But you also feel like it's an engine of the economy. Just navigating the business side of it, I think, inspires me. Marketing has really gained that seat at the table as part of the C-suite, right? And you said it earlier, it's not just marketing and sales alignment. It's bringing together all the disciplines to support that customer experience. How has that shift happened in your world? And I always talk about the marketing maturity curve, you're still going to have branding needs. You're still going to have digital marketing needs. But as marketing has moved up the maturity curve to integrate all the disciplines, how has that come to light in your world? So brand is always, you can't do demand if you don't have some kind of brand or experience. Well, everybody has a brand. I mean, if you don't put the energy into making sure that's part of your entire effort. If you're a younger company and you're not known, you have to build brand into all of your 
campaigns, into all of your communications and messaging, not just through marketing, but in what you're doing. Bottom line is brand has to be there from moment one. It's it's a process that I think is heavier lifting that needs concentration. It needs significant strategy across functions and then being able to put it into the different disciplines and campaigns, et cetera. When you're a younger company, it's almost more interesting. It's, it is a game of chess and building versus massive transformation and measurement that happens more in an enterprise. Absolutely. Well, I connected a lot of dots as you're talking about how the role of marketing is really moving to a growth function for the company. One of the things I meant to ask you was you've had some success taking top of the funnel through bottom of the funnel. Talk a little bit about how you've grown companies in that very tangible way. Yeah. So segmentation, I think, is a big part of that strategy. Um, is not trying to do everything. Okay. Um, you get maybe executives that you work around that says, you know, we want to we want to create a category. Or we want to be the best in class at, which is all wonderful. But the way you do anything is I think you go into a market and earn your way in by understanding how it works, the dynamics, just like I described in brand, it's the same kind of concept that I think you have to build on. You really have to find, you know, what are the levers, who are the movers and shakers? And it's not about a social campaign or a, you know, a brand campaign or a demand effort. It's once you have, that's why I always say business marketing is business first. And when you do that right, then you can build a growth plan. Absolutely. you need a little bit of luck. Let's not fool anybody. It's nicer when you have the wind behind your sails and you're in a good economy or you, you latch on to a rocket ship that's the right product market fit at the right time. I think a growth strategy starts with all the business levers. Absolutely. And then the marketing activity and the sales activity and then how you support your customers. That's why I say customer success and evolve your product in the right way and fast enough to keep up to build something that can grow. Well, I love that. You know, that hits home for us in the agency business. They're all about finding your niche and finding your segment. And it's hard to say no to things, you know, and I imagine that the big brands struggle with that just as much as us small players do. Boy, that, that is so thoughtful and smart. And maybe we should have even opened our conversation with that. I think I struggle with it because if we have can-do personalities and it's a good note for every professional, it's what you say no to and pick the things that are going to be those levers, those drivers. And I know I really struggle with that, but that's how you help yourself grow. That's how you help your team grow. That's how you help your business. And ultimately your industry grow is, you know, what you choose to do and where to focus. All right. We only have a few minutes left and I want to get to know you as a leader. So I'm a big believer that to be a strong marketer, you have to be a strong leader. You have to get people on the bus and get them aligned and have hard conversations. So what kind of leader are you, Scott? Well, the call before earlier this morning with the team, we did predictive index, which is you look at your attributes of how you think people perceive you and then how you perceive yourself and you kind of get categories. I get the captain in the predictive index and that catalyst driver really type of personality is is what is i think it's who you are but it also builds over time through all these different experiences and so that's where i get my inspiration from and i have some extrovert in me so i also lift off other people's knowledge and energy and experience and plug into that and when you're a catalyst you're also a connector so i like to connect people to fit them into the right roles Um, at different companies and people I think can do great business and great work together. 
that's more how where I kind of come from in my role in this community. What are some of your successes and failures? I always like to know what advice you have or what have you learned through your years that you would want to pass on to another marketer? So the one thing that I think I I failed at when I went from marketing to sales and, and I catch myself doing this is thinking I know too much. The preparation and planning and homework you do before you're going to do your strategy, your campaign, your effort. And that applies to sales as well. My first sales call I went on and it was a home run. I got asked for a proposal and I was so pumped. I didn't even ask the question, just level set where they were at three days later. I went right into the solution. Well, they had some changes going on. So think about it. That's why I always try to put that buyer at the center to do the preparation and the homework and the research at you know, your market, your industry, the company, the people level as much as you can. And you said it best when we talked about going back to personas and fundamentals are so important. And every failure I've had, I've usually tried to skip or accelerate something without doing that work. I appreciate that lesson because we love that space. The fundamentals are fun for us. So what question do you have for other marketers right now, Scott? A couple things I think about now when when I talk to marketers is what is your next move? You know the current environment, and we're in obviously a pandemic. Let's call it a crisis. Really, a change that is unprecedented. But just in general, in business and in life, what's your next move? What I find is that it's not that you have to have a next move, but you don't want to meander either both for your business, your marketing strategy, your career, because I think it helps center. And you're always, I use the term playing chess a lot, but I think you learn a lot by kind of trying to see the future and work backwards. What's that plan and what do you need to put in place, not just to operate today, but how do you build that plan and that strategy and and who do you need to get involved? That type of thing is, is why I ask marketers, what's your next move? I love that. You said that earlier in our call as far as, you know, plan way out here and then work the plan backwards. And I think the best leaders think long term, but they also know they're most important right now. And so they're constantly balancing that back and forth. Well, I can't thank you enough, Scott, for your time. So many good insights today. And unfortunately, the events world's kind of slowing down, so I don't know when I'll see you again. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, that, that is true. We're thinking of all those people and trying to help them redeploy how they do their business, their work, all of it. Well, you're somebody that I'll continue to reach out to as as we unfold here because you're on the front lines in a lot of ways. So again, thank you. Beautiful. Thanks, Misty. Thanks for having me and, and thanks for doing what you do. thankful Scott came to share his thoughts on how B2B marketing teams should come together, especially considering the foundational aspects of marketing, such as branding, personas, and journey building before technology is ever considered. If you want to know more about Scott's company, Integrate Inc., just go to integrate.com and learn more about his demand cloud technology. It will most certainly grow your mind and help you think about your company's future in reaching your customers. You can find Scott on LinkedIn, where he's regularly sharing his views on the latest marketing trends. And if you liked this interview, give us a review and download all episodes of Marketing Sweat Season 2 at marketingsweats.com. 
or subscribe to our show on iTunes, Apple Play, or Spotify. Spotify.